0: Hello and welcome to the Green Leads podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. Today, I'm really excited about the guest we have. We have on Marie Spano. She is a fellow registered dietitian and one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram because she's always posting really interesting sports nutrition studies and credible nutrition info. Marie is one of the country's leading sports nutritionists. She consults with major league sports teams like the Atlanta Braves. She's previously worked for the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Thrashers, and the Black Zillions. She's also the lead author of Nutrition for Sport, Exercise and Health, and the co-editor of the NSCA's Guide to Exercise and Sports Nutrition. She's appeared on tons of TV like CNN, NBC, ABC, Fox, and she's authored hundreds of magazine articles and trade publications, written book chapters, and she's just a really inspirational and credible source of nutrition information, so I was really, really grateful to talk to her. We talked about really interesting things like her journey to become a dietitian, what it is actually like to work with the pros, and whether or not they listen to her nutrition advice body image issues that are prevalent among competitive athletes as well as the trend for a lot of pro athletes to go vegan and whether or not she agrees with that and how she kind of tackles that when that comes across her desk. So I think you're really going to love this talk. It's super informational. It's really an inside look into how the pros deal with nutrition and how a dietitian works with pro athletes. So let's jump right into that conversation. Hi, Marie. Thanks so much for being on the podcast.
1: I am super excited to speak with you today. We've we've talked so much offline, and it's great to jump on this podcast and chat on here. I'm really excited to hear all about your experiences and what you do.
0: So I'm going to jump right into that. You, you were a collegiate athlete, right? Does, is that how you
1: got involved or interested in sports nutrition? You know, I was, but actually my interest stems from I was probably about 15 years old when I knew what I wanted to do. And at that point, I knew I wanted to work with athletic performance. And I remember my mom was like, what is sports medicine? Because that's what, you know, they had like more information on sports medicine. And I said, oh, you work with athletes. And she's like, "Uh, can't you find like another job? You know, my dad probably said the same thing, but um, I always knew I wanted to work in performance. And then I was also interested in disease prevention. So I kind of combined them both my undergrads, exercise science, my grad degrees, nutrition, um, because then you get the both best of both worlds, right? You can talk to an athlete about, Hey, this is how you perform better. But I've had a number of athletes with disease states. I've also had athletes where I've set, you know, I sit down with them and, you know, they're shocked by their cholesterol numbers and other heart health, uh, numbers. And, you know, that's their motivating factor, which is super exciting to me, you know, that they'll, they're willing to change, not just because of performance, but because, Hey, You know, my dad had a heart attack pretty early on and I could see that, you know, you're going through this with me. My numbers aren't good. What can I do to change? So um, I love it.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's funny, I get a lot of I I change careers to become a dietitian. So I get a lot of people asking me about what dietitians do. And I always say that to them is that this is a science degree. And it's also we learn a lot about medical nutrition therapy, in terms of like, you may see people who want to lose weight, or you may see people who want to learn how to fuel properly. But you may also see people who have diabetes or high cholesterol, and you have to learn about all that. So there's a lot of that that goes into counseling people.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, because early on, I remember there's a dietitian, um, you know, more experience when I was, I was probably 20 something. And I was like, Oh, you don't need to know some of this clinical stuff. And yeah, you do. Because, you know, I've had athletes with celiac disease, IBS, IBD, Crohn's disease, type one diabetes, like it runs the gamut, you, you're faced with everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know. And, I know now you work with some pros, some pro athletes. So can you tell me a little bit about your career journey from becoming a dietitian and to
1: until now? Sure. So, um, when I first got out of school, I actually got a job, not exactly in this particular area because as as you know, and and many dietitians know, it kind of boomed in the past six years, I would say all of a sudden there are all these jobs and opportunities. I'd give it roughly six years, maybe a little bit longer, but, Um, so I got out, got a job and I was doing nutrition stuff kind of on the side. I was writing for men's health. I was, you know, writing for other publications and doing individual consults. And then, um, I just got to the point where actually I quit my job on the spot. I guess my risk tolerance is a little high. And, um, I, I just, because there were even then when I quit still not tons of jobs, but I figured, okay, there's enough consulting work. I can, I can do this. Right. Um, and so I literally, I, I got an opportunity with the Hawks first, the Atlanta Hawks. I think that was 11 or 12 years ago. Someone introduced me. And then after that, it was just a referral within that network of pro sports. So I was fortunate for the, because of that. Um, and then with baseball, actually the first introduction is I was speaking at a meeting and someone heard me that worked for the Braves and, um, They basically said, "Okay, we need you. We're going to interview you. And it was very quick. That was the first time I worked with them. And then um, then I'm back now in a a different capacity, only with the uh, major league team. So it's kind of I think once you get in, it's it's who you know and word of mouth that that uh, these opportunities come along.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's like most things, right? <laughs> yes, it is. What is it like working sure. with athletes at such a high level? Do you feel like, I I, I asked this question because I, my sports nutrition professor when I was in my master's used to work with the Knicks. And I remember her saying that, sometimes these people, the athletes who are at such a high level are less inclined to listen to the nutrition advice because they feel like they know what they're doing because they got to such a competitive level. Do you feel like they're open to your advice? What's it like to work with them as a dietitian?
1: You know, that's, that's an interesting take. I actually feel the opposite. I feel like most of them are hungry for, because the competition at the top is, you know there's so much competition and there's so little that separates you know the contracts someone who makes you know several million versus someone who makes 500,000 there's there's relatively little that separates those two people um so i feel like many of them are looking for that competitive edge especially when you meet the players who have had a longer career i've had several who you meet them and they're in their 30s and, um, you know, they're the ones that are 35, 36, 37, they're still doing really well because they do everything. They look for every possible advantage they can find. They look for nutrition. They look for sleep. They look for training, physical therapy, et cetera. Um, so to me, working with the athletes in a way, it's easier because they are, they already have that motivation. Whereas, you know, you meet regular people that maybe don't have an athletic background and they're kind of in that pre-contemplation stage. And to me, that's hard to meet with somebody who's kind of wishy-washy of, you know, I don't know if I want to commit, even if it's not a huge commitment to making changes.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And relatively speaking to the other things that pro athletes have trained for or gone through or the work they've done, I would think nutrition is relatively easy. (laughs) It's just eating certain foods or doing certain things. So, I mean, do you have any kind of stories of you like an aha moment you told an athlete to do this and they were like, oh, wow, I did this one small thing and it made such a huge difference.
1: I'm a, I've got, oh my gosh, I've got many, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and it's funny because it's not always what you think. I think when, when I think of nutrition, I like to think of it in relation to organic chemistry probably because I like that class where you kind of have this global picture and you have to zone in and kind of weed out everything that maybe you can check off. So for instance, I had a player this past summer Is actually a baseball player. And I, he said, you know, my energy just dips really in the game, and I'm having trouble. And so I went through and, you know, we always think, oh, it's one of probably three different things. First, we look at carbohydrate calories, if it's nutrition related, hydration, you know, electrolytes. So I quickly went through that, literally, all I did was add electrolytes, and he's like night and day difference. So I love those very, you know, and this is a player that eats really well to begin with. So it's kind of exciting that you can make such a small change and it's like, Oh, major impact. But I've got, I've got a number of those stories, you know, sometimes it's, it takes a little bit and then sometimes it's um, you know, kind of takes an overhaul and you have to keep, keep after the person like, Hey, if you want body composition changes or you really want to make those gains in the weight room, you're going to have to stick with it. Like I always say, you know, if a player needs to gain weight or, you know, you know, grain strength that your, your diet is part of your training program. And unfortunately that means you have to do it every day. I know you get sick of eating, but you know, (laughs) or overeating, but you got to do it every day. There's no days off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Are there any, um, do you, how, how specific do you get with these athletes in terms of eating? Are you, are you setting a number of calories, a number of carbs, a number of protein, like very specific meal plans, or is it more so just, Hey, if you add in a few gulps of this sports drink
1: here, this may help you. I've, you know, I've done everything. And I, I think that's a great question because they're and it. Part of it depends on their goals and then also how much they're willing to change. So for some it's add this here, here, and here add certain things. And then for others, and the most detailed I've ever gotten is with MMA fighters, just because, you know, they've got to make weight, um, that that's a really, you know, everything's measured. Uh, I had to calculate sodium for one of the MMA fighters a few years back. Um, so some are extremely detailed, some are not so detailed and it's everything in between. And even when it comes to meal plans, which I give a lot of athletes meal plans and for some, I say, hey, this is a roadmap. I don't expect you to sit there and go, okay, exactly at 12 o'clock, eat this. These are some ideas. This is a roadmap. If you come pretty close to following this, I know you're going to make some major progress. So it's it gives them an outline of, hey, here's what to do, but you can vary this, and here's how you can vary it.
0: I like that answer because I feel like I see headlines like eat this to look like Tom Brady or something like that. And it's it's Mm -hmm. just like a schedule of, you know, eat four strawberries or maybe I I think he doesn't eat strawberries. You
1: know what I mean? Throughout the day. It's crazy. And, uh, And then they always make those, you know, those headlines and you're like, okay, Tom Brady looks partly the way he does because he trains like, you know, he trains, he's a pro football player. This is what he does for a living. Most people don't do that for a living. So that's a really good point. It's um, there's a word for that. Like when those grab those headlines that grab you, clickbait, clickbait. That's it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You have a lot of
1: clickbait nutrition.
0: Oh, for sure, definitely, and that's why I like having people like you on to talk about like what it actually is like and what these pros are actually doing. And I I like that you brought up MMA because one of the questions I had for you was that. There are pressures about body image among athletes, uh, especially in competitive sports. And I think it depends on the sport. You know, baseball is different than football, different than MMA. But how do you tackle that kind of thing? I think this is more prevalent in women, but I know it's also common in men when they're dealing with body image issues.
1: So, you know, it's I, I would I would say, yes, it's probably more prevalent in women, but it's still really prevalent in men. And sometimes I think it's more obvious with women because they're more likely to say stuff. Whereas with men, you have to kind of pick up on their behavior. And so, for instance, I've had players that, you know, I go to do their body fat and they want to make sure no one's around, you know, they're real particular with the way it's done and you're going, okay, this is, this is different. Um, and sometimes they'll make comments on their body. So you have to be very tuned in, but I always talk in terms of performance and try to get them to raise the conversation in terms of performance, and often say, you know, one of the things I've said many, many years ago, and I've said many times since, is, do you want to be a GQ model or do you want to be a football player? <laughs> because I can make you either one, but if we try to be the GQ model, you're not going to do as well on the football field. And here's why. And then I talk to them, and it it's a conversation of, you know, this this is a totally different look than playing for performance. And here's why. So it takes a conversation, sometimes multiple conversations um, and what it takes to get there. Like if you want to be that GQ model, it takes what it takes to get there can be detrimental for sports. So that's the biggest thing I focus on.
0: That's totally true. I'm sure that GQ models eat very little carbs and we know that athletes need (laughs) more than that. So that's interesting. That's a good way to frame it. I never thought of that um what do you think about this is a trend that <laughs> i've gotten a lot of followers because of this because i've been a vegetarian for a long time but there's a huge movement towards the plant-based and vegan trend i think a lot of it came from the documentary game changers which i actually did not see um but <laughs> i know there's a lot of people doing this so what do you think of that trend
1: i saw it and it was funny because i was like okay this isn't as bad as what's the one before it um what the health, I didn't think it was nearly as bad as what the health as far as just blatant inaccurate information, but there were many things that were inaccurate. I think the thing that's frustrating about the, this particular movement is that, um, every time someone comes to me and it's less now than it was a couple years ago when that movie came out, but I have to go through, Hey, we've got a plan for this because you can't just make this massive switch in your diet and then expect that you know, you're going to meet all of your nutrient needs. It doesn't work that way. So we have to actually do some planning. And we have to talk about what you're eating. And a lot of people were, they are under the mistaken assumption that you just stop eating animal products and you feel better. Like that was almost the, the major overlying part of that movie or the major point is like, okay, just stop eating animal products and everything resolves. And I'm like, No, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, you've actually got to eat very healthy foods. And, you know, make sure that you get all your protein, especially I have players that, you know, they need 4000 5000 6000 calories a day. I'm like, we've got to meet your protein needs, your calorie needs, and all your nutrient needs. You know, you don't just switch diets like that. So I, I appreciate that plant based eating has been brought to the forefront. I think that's That's what's amazing about it. But um, I think there's still a lot of misconceptions.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I always say Oreos and Skittles are plant based,
1: (laughs) you know. Oh, good one. Yeah, that's a really good point. I never even thought of that. That's, that's like, I hate to say it, I had a roommate in college and she was a vegetarian, but she survived on white pasta and a lot of liquor. She drank a lot of liquor. I'm like, not exactly the healthiest diet, right?
0: Yeah, no, it's true. It's, there's a lot of plant-based foods that you can eat that aren't necessarily healthy. And that's why I try to teach people, if you want to do this, here's how you do it in a healthy way. But even as a vegetarian, I say, it's not for everyone. It's, It's kind of like, like you said, you have to do some planning, you have to know what you're doing. And not to mention that, you know, three ounces of chicken may have 20 grams of protein, but to get that amount in tofu, you may have to eat double the amount uh, to even make up for the calories. So it's like, sometimes you're eating a lot more food, there's issues that come in, the foods have a lot more fiber, and that may cause bloating. So it definitely seems like you have to work with someone to understand what you're doing.
1: Oh, my gosh, yes. And and many of them kind of give up or they kind of, you know, they slowly start to add those foods back because they realize it's easier. And actually, I think. To an extent, it's easier for men than women because they typically have bigger appetites. So they can eat, you know, three or four servings of tofu. Whereas with women, it's like, okay, they're so, you know, you get so full so fast that it's hard. Um, But yeah, the planning is the big thing. But I like, again, they brought plant-based eating to the forefront, which that's good. You know, the importance of plants.
0: Yeah. And it seems like you meet people where they're at. Like if someone wants to come to you and do this, it's not like you're telling them, no, this isn't right for you. Yeah. It's more so I'll, I'll help you do it in a healthy way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I am fairly open when it comes because I think there are multiple ways to meet your goals. And so I have to meet people where they are and if they really want their gung ho on, you know, being a vegetarian or being a vegan, I'll sit down and work with them to do it the the right way, you know? Yeah, that makes total sense. Um,
0: are there any foods that you tell athletes that they must avoid? (laughs) There's one food that definitely Um, you should never have.
1: Um, you know, I really don't, I'm trying to think if there's anything I really don't. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to athletics, of course, you know, there's certain foods you shouldn't have at certain times of the day or before or during working out, obviously, or, you know, before a game, that's very important. But um, I think the one that I kind of harp on probably the most is alcohol, (laughs) simply because there are so many potential negative consequences, not just, you know, added body weight, but uh, just many performance you know, it can interfere with performance, it can interfere with recovery, building muscle sleep. So that I tend to talk to a lot of athletes about. And it's funny, because I had one who sent me a message, actually a direct message on Instagram a couple months ago. And he said, Yeah, ever since you told me not to drink alcohol, I stopped. And I thought, Oh, you you just like stopped? Okay. <laughs> he's like, Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Like, I was kind of excited. Well, um, because he was he's young, and he's got a major, major, huge career ahead of him. And so he just wanted to do everything right. So that kind of made me excited. But that's probably the one I focus on more than anything. Um, Others, you know, I'll say cut down on them, but I won't necessarily say, hey, you can never have your fried food, donuts, etc. Is there there anything that you
0: tell people they have to cut up forever? No, not really. I I actually get a lot of uh, requests for quotes to be in articles about, this is the one food dietitians say you should never eat. And I'm always like, I I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to contribute because I don't, I don't feel that there's one food. I mean, there are certain foods that I just don't like, I don't eat Cheetos or things like that just because I don't really like them and they don't make me feel great. But if someone likes that as their once in a while food, go for it. So I don't really feel that way that there's a certain food you can never eat. No. Yes.
1: I mean, my only thing would say would be cilantro, but that's personal. Oh my gosh, <laughs> but, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. If people ask me, I'd say, please, let's just eradicate, let's get rid of cilantro. Okay. So same. Because you, you have the genetic variation, right? It tastes like you're chewing on a bar of soap.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I, I hate it. If it's in anything, it ruins
1: the entire dish. Yes. Yes, I've returned dishes. I'm like, you didn't have cilantro listed as an ingredient, I have to return this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally with you.
0: <laughs> I want to go back to the alcohol thing because that's interesting. And I'm, I'm surprised I w- when you were saying that, I was thinking that you probably, that's probably met with resistance when you say that to people. Is there ever, um, If it, I mean, most people want to have a drink now and then. If it, When they, when is the best time for them to have a drink? Is it on a rest day? Is it after a hard day? Like within their training, what would be the best day if they I, could only have one drink
1: that week? Um, And, and I meet, again, I meet them where they're at, I never say at his strength coach many years ago, he said, Marie, whatever you do when going in this presentation, do not tell them they can't drink. <laughs> So-and-so, and it was like the best player on the team. He goes, he has, and he told me how much alcohol he had on the flight on the way back from games. And I'm like, okay, all right. I won't say that. So I don't usually say never drink, but I go through and tell them, hey, if you drink, just be aware it's going to make, you know, these things more difficult. It's going to interrupt your sleep, et cetera. So I give them the information, the best time to drink. That's a tough one. Definitely not after a game. I've had some football players that after a loss, like I had one who he didn't, he didn't eat sometimes and he would just drink. And I'm like, on Mondays, I would say, no wonder you look terrible today. Like, yes, you had a hard game, you know, um, in your position, you're a running back, right. You're beat up, but you would feel a bit better if you actually ate and didn't like just drink liquor last night. Um so I would say probably maybe like midweek before you know several days before a competition or after a competition but not within a couple of days before because again it interrupts your sleep and not right afterward because it's going to delay that muscle recovery. Okay yeah that's I mean
0: that sounds completely reasonable if I were one of your athletes I would listen to that advice. <laughs> 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 um I want to talk about your Instagram because I love your Instagram. You get so much engagement on there. You really focus on science-based nutrition and debunking fitness and nutrition myths. Is there one myth or misconception that you see pop up a lot that you
1: get asked about? Yes. Okay. So I would say there's probably two. The big one, and I get this on TikTok too, a lot is creatine dehydrates you. That is by far you know, probably the, the biggest thing I get is creatine dehydrates you or other myths about creatine. And then I'll also still get, hey, soy causes low testosterone. Mm, yeah. Um, so those are pretty common
0: ones, I would say. Creatine dehydrates you. I actually have never heard that. But I remember in high school, a lot of the guys on the football team would take creatine. And I remember uh, they would say that it could be bad for your kidneys. Is that
1: true. That, no, that's not correct either. So um, when you take creatine, or if you have a higher protein diet, your creatinine will go up a bit. So if you have a physician who sees that and is not very well versed, they might say, Oh, creatine is, you know, harmful for your kidneys. It's bad for you. It, that's just not correct. There's no evidence of that. In fact, there's been quite a bit of research to debunk that particular myth. Um, the dehydration thing, I think that comes from So many years ago, I want to say 10, 15 years ago, you know how every athlete, every year, unfortunately, like in August, we'll hear about a high school player or college player who dies. And, um, you know, they die in the heat of the summer during practice. And I think from, you know, going back to those articles at one point, it seems as if like the coaches were like, oh my gosh, you know, what happened? We don't want to be blamed. You know, they're, they're, they don't know what to say or do. So, I think creatine became a scapegoat of sorts or supplements became a scapegoat. And the reality is half of all athletes are dehydrated when they start practice. And there's a lot of coaches that just do not give enough water breaks. And I've seen that even in pro sports. Um, and it just kind of dumbfounds me sometimes because I think, you know what, if you just stop and let the athletes have a break, you get a lot more out of them. But so creatine became a scapegoat, but the reality is, just like regular people, half of all athletes just walk around dehydrated. So it's not the creatine, they just don't drink enough.
0: Yeah, I'm always amazed by hydration and how really simple it is and how it's so often ignored. It's it's really, yes. and how it will really make a huge difference. I, I have, um, I deal with a lot of runners and someone once, I gave a talk once talking about just running nutrition during race day. And I was talking about when they should hydrate And, but one of the main things I said to them was don't ever change anything on race day, you know, do things that you practice. And someone came up to me afterwards and he said, I never drink any water during a half marathon. And I'm running one this weekend. And you said, never change anything on race day, but you also said that you should drink here, here and here. And he's like, so should I drink? And I was like, okay, ignore the never change anything on race day. And yes, please drink some water. That's like very important. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's amazing to me. I mean, But I look back, I remember when I was a kid playing basketball, like I never wanted to come off the basketball court. So during practice, like it would take me forever to go to the water fountain because I didn't want to leave the court, you know? So I, I don't know. I think we become, uh, we can become used to that to an extent and runners become used to it to an extent because they're so afraid that, you know, they're going to have any urine production, um, or they're they're going to have stomach issues because so many endurance athletes have stomach issues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And going back to the creatine thing, is that a supplement that you generally recommend for athletes?
1: It is. I, I, um, I, I put a number of athletes on it if they're willing to go on it. And the thing about creatine is it helps with weight gain, which is important, but it can also help, um, with strength, speed, and power when combined with a good training program. And then generally athletes can recover faster. And I had another player who I finally convinced him this past summer. I said he was uh, recovering from a little bit of an injury, like not anything major. And I finally convinced him to go on it. And he goes, Oh my gosh. He goes, I never knew what a difference this makes in my recovery. Like it's been huge for me. Um, and that's the thing that I think is so important when somebody can feel something. Like a lot of times we take something, like we might take a multivitamin and not feel any different. Right. But if somebody can feel something, they're willing to you know, continue to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, so if, if an everyday athlete wanted to do, wanted to try to implement creatine within their routine, is that something that you would recommend? Say someone who runs half marathons or something like that, and how would they go about doing that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's worth a shot. It other, it also has some cognitive benefits. It may help um, with decreasing, potentially the digging effects of concussions So there are a number of potential benefits with creatine and for the recreational athlete, I would say, Hey, there's probably no reason to load on it. Loading is you take between 20 and 30 grams a day for a week. And then you back down to about 10 grams a day. You don't want to take more than 10 at a time though. So you have to divide the doses. If you take more than 10 at a time, some people, not many, but some people will have, their stomach will just feel a little bit upset but usually I say, you just need a teaspoon a day. Just try a teaspoon a day. It'll take about a month to saturate your stores and then see how you feel if you notice a if you notice a difference in your training and your performance.
0: Yeah, that's not much at all. That seems relatively easy to do.
1: Yeah, and it's a very inexpensive supplement. That's the other thing. And it's so funny because I have a number of parents that are like, oh my gosh, I don't want my son on creatine. You know, it's, it's this, that, and the other. And I think, you know, you're worried about creatine and who knows what your high school kid is doing, right? I mean, they could be doing what's that juuling. I mean, <laughs> I would not be concerned about creatine of all things. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you.
0: Um, okay, last question for you. Have you seen any sports nutrition or just nutrition issues in general develop because of the pandemic?
1: Um, I would say not necessarily sports nutrition issues. One thing that I do get concerned about is potential for, um, higher rate of injuries simply f- because people are not necessarily training with their strength coaches or training with their team, you know, especially if, like high school athletes and stuff. But the only thing I've seen is actually, a, a kind of a higher incidence of mood issues or depression. I've had a couple athletes that, you know, have actually come out and told me, Hey, you know, I don't feel right. And so I refer them to our team psychologist. Um, But I think that's the big thing, maybe some, maybe some overeating to an extent, just simply because people are locked inside, but that's really about it.
0: Yeah. And that anxiety and depression can definitely come out in your nutrition. I would assume that maybe they're changing the way they eat because of that.
1: Huge that, or you just, you know, they kind of have these dips in mood or they don't get back to you right away, or you just notice something's not quite right. And I think with, with any sport and and definitely with like high school students nowadays and stuff, there's so much pressure. And then to like, I think, and I go, gosh, what would I have done um, if I had to go to school online as a high school kid? Like that would be hard, right. To sit there and do zoom classes year round. Um, I think there's so much pressure and there's, you know, social media and everything else that this pandemic has caused just some added stress for some people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that comes out in, in anxiety or depression. Yeah. Not the happiest of notes to end on, <laughs> but, no. but you know, it's, it's so important that I'm glad that, you know, some of them are, you know, they come forward and they say something to me so I can refer them to, you know, to get help. And, um, it just seems to be the other thing I notice a lot is gut issues. And one, uh, and, you know, with stress, obviously, that can enhance some of those gut issues, IBS and other issues. So that's another way that, you know, you kind of see some things. and You're like, OK, wait a minute here. Just go talk to the person because it's not going to hurt. It might really help you.
0: Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's great that these students have dietitians to talk to or mental health professionals to talk to. So that's, that's a, at least a good thing.
1: For sure. Definitely.
0: Well, Maria, this has been awesome. Where can people find more from you?
1: So my Instagram, I'm pretty active on there. It's just my name, Marie Spano. Um, TikTok, I just joined. I made my nephew get on there for a few of them. And then um, I am blogging more this year. I probably will actually write tonight. So my website is mariespano.com. I love
0: that. I haven't joined TikTok yet, but maybe I should get on there and and check out what you're doing, because it seems like there's a lot of educational stuff on there.
1: Yeah, you know, I haven't really scrolled a ton on there. I need to actually look a little bit more, but there's there's just so many people on there. That's what's fascinating. I would say the the quality of the comments are not as good as Instagram. You know, Instagram, you'll get these comments that you're like, wow, this person's pretty educated on this topic, or they're very interested. You get some crazy, or I've got some crazy comments on TikTok, but um, we'll see how it goes. I'm going to try, I'm trying it out. I think I've only posted like four videos. So <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> we'll see. Well, thanks again. And everyone should
0: go follow Marie on Instagram. The stuff you post is always very educational. Even for me, who's within the nutrition profession, I'm always like, Hmm, that's interesting. I didn't see that study. So
1: definitely go follow her. And I appreciate you being on. Thank you so much for having me. I've l- enjoyed uh, speaking with you and uh, can't wait to share more offline or online, I should say.
0: Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. And if you want to learn more from me, follow me on social media at Greenleads or visit my website at greenleets.com.